Okay, so we're back. Um, I believe this is going to be episode 15. Let me slow down a little bit. I'm too, uh, too hyped up. I don't sound hyped up, but I am. Okay, I'm in the way for a while. So, understandably, because I wasn't feeling sick. I wasn't feeling that good. I got COVID twice, um, and it really fucked up with my voice. I didn't like the way it sounded. I sounded very nasally, like I was pinching my nose and if you guys heard me before, my voice is the thing that I hate. I hate listening to it and I hate when I have to go back and I have to edit it. And just the light, the least times that I have to listen to my voice. Now, when you're sick, it amplifies it. It makes it even worse. So it's one reason. Another reason is I kind of felt it was forced a little bit. I didn't want to fall into a being like, okay, I got to bust a podcast out. I got to bust one out. I got to bust one out. I didn't want to fall into that category. It's just the way I, I wanted to be to be more flu, fluid. Basically, whenever I had a thought in my head, which is, I guess, very few. No, just when I had something important to talk about. Because like I told you guys, it wasn't going to be about sex, sex, sex all the time. I wasn't going to make it like that all the time because that does get boring after a while. Um. Oh, there we go. My first um. I just didn't want to do it like that. So I kind of like got bored with it a little bit. And I was just like, eh, do I really want to do it again? But then I go and listen to my messages. So I, I, I look at the emails that I get from you guys. And I just want to thank you because you guys, some of you guys are pretty cool. You guys look forward to my podcast and are a little upset that I don't, I don't, I'm not doing it weekly. So I'm going to try to do it weekly. Okay. I'm really, really going to try at least a couple of months. But I'm going to try to do it weekly because I, I, I get it. Once you start getting used to something, you start listening to it. You start getting into the rhythm of the show. Um, So I'm going to try to do it weekly. Maybe in the middle of the week, I'll bust it out. We'll see. I'm still, I'm still, oh, this fucking cat. Kitty. Cat crawl on top of me. Okay, so I... I had a question on the internet the other day and I, and I, I made a poll on Instagram and it was about, should a show be seen or listened to? Now I'm old school. I'm one of the old school guys. I like to listen to radio. I was a huge fan of Stern and I'm still, I still listen to Rogan and things like that, but I don't watch it. I, I listen to it because just like reading a book, I like to paint a picture and I think if you're a good podcaster, you have a good control of English language, you should be able to say something and let the listener listen to it. Kind of like they're seeing what you're talking about in your in their brain. <clears throat> so I decided to do this because me sitting in a room talking, believe me, there's no entertainment value in that. So every time I do an interview, I will record the interview. I'll put it on YouTube. I'll make a YouTube channel. I'll put it on my uh, OnlyFans account. Maybe, maybe even Instagram. But whenever it's just me solo talking, I'm not going to record that because trust me, you just don't, you guys don't want to see me just sitting here talking. It's not very interesting. So that's, that's the decision I made. And I got a couple of interviews coming up. I'm going to keep them a surprise for now, but I got a couple of interviews coming up and it should be rather interesting uh, to say the least, but I'm back. I'm back to podcasting and I, I will stick to it. I will 
keep on doing it. And I'm going to kick back with the music and I'm going to put a lot of music. Cause so far that's been the biggest complaint that I put a lot of music at the beginning. And like I said before, look guys, I don't charge anybody for advertising. Everything's out of my pocket. The more listeners I get, the more I got to pay for bandwidth. So again, a minute song at the beginning of the show. I don't think it's a bad idea just to kind of get you in the mood. You know, I'm a big, I'm a big music fan and I always been all my life. I listened to music when I was in the military and that's kind of, that's kind of what carried me through. So just a little song at the beginning of each show. I don't think it's a big deal, but we'll see how it goes. Okay. So let's get ready to go. Let's get ready to get, get this, let's get this one started. This is going to be episode 15. It's going to be the military. Boss it. Here's a jam for all the fellas. Try to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down cause you're overzealous. Play hard to get females, get jealous. Okay, smarty, go to a party. Girls are scantily clad and showing body. A chick walks by, you wish she could sex her, but you're standing on the wall like you was pointing back Okay, that's the music. I'm gonna keep the song in the background because I'm gonna paint the picture for you guys. March 1989. My senior in high school. Everything's going good. Music is good. House parties were amazing back in the day. The girls. I had a full ride to Silence Estate. I got accepted to Silence Estate. I was the only one in my family who's going to graduate high school. Both my sisters and my brother dropped out. Football captain. Wrestled. I was involved in all these high school groups and everything. Everything was good. Everything was perfect. Just looking forward to life. Turning 18. You know, 18 is one of those birthdays that I put as important ones, 18, 21, 25, because your insurance gets a lot lower for your car. So everything was good, man. You know, I think about those days and sometimes me and my kids talk about those days, how great it was back, how to be. You didn't have a cell phone. You could just disappear if you wanted to. So everything was good, man. I I never had any thoughts about joining the military. The military was just not a thing. It's just like, you know, that's something dudes that are, I don't know. It's just one of those things that in, in, in my family, which is never really talked about, maybe people who wanted to be a cop or things like that. You know, you hear some guys talking about joining the military, but you know, I never really, it just wasn't a thought. Senior year, um, we had some of the recruiters go to our school. They would go look, um, talk to all the seniors and you talk about all the military services, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Army, no Space Force back then. And they would go to our high school. Okay, nothing with music. They would go to our high school and they would uh, recruit everybody. They will have all the seniors come into the cafeteria and one by one, they'll come in wearing their nice, pretty uniforms and their, their blues or whatever. They'll talk about the benefits of joining this service, joining that service and, and things like that. But again, I was just like, I just went to them just so I could get out of class. And I took all their, I'll took, I took all their business cards. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll call you. But again, it just wasn't a thing. You know, I was, I was already going to go to the state. I was going to major in history. 
I don't know what the hell I was going to do with that degree, but I was going to major in history. But I always tell my son, no matter what decision you make in life, how small you may think it is, it, it, that one decision just, just changes. I've never seen the butterfly effect, but I heard it's something like that. So I don't want to, but I guess it's something like that. If you make one decision, either you go A or you go B, or you go one way on the road, you know, you make a left or right turn, whatever decision is going to impact your life and a lot of other lives. And this day, it really changed a whole lot of people's lives. It changed my life, my family, my children, because there wouldn't be no children without this decision that I made. And it was just one of those things, dude. Like you look back at an older age and you reflect and you reflect and you think, wow, man, I can't believe off of one this one decision, I traveled the world, met the combat, had kids, and now I end up here in friggin' Modesto. But just one that one decision, just that one decision, you know, just just cascaded down and just created all these things. But it wasn't that simple. It wasn't as simple as me going like, hey. I'm going to join the military today. It wasn't even like that. Again, me and my friends were planning on going to school together, having fun, partying. We're going to live together. This is going to be a great times. But my dumbass decided to join the military. And my friends were upset that I did. My family was upset. Everybody's upset. But something that I had to do. But I'm going to talk about why I did it. And everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own reasons why, why they did this, why they did that. Mine was probably the stupidest reason why I joined. It, it, it wasn't nothing. It wasn't anything calculated. It, it was done out of anger. It was done out of just anger. Back in the 80s, Having a BMW, your status level, it would it was just it was just crazy. Okay, everybody, every oh damn, every every kid my age. Oh. Sorry, my cat again, my daughter's cat. Every kid my age dreamt about a BMW. There was a movie in the late eighties called License to Drive. It was all about a BMW. So. The status car for a kid back in those days was a BMW. It's almost the equivalent of like a senior in high school now drove a Tesla. You know, their 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 pussy, their pussy status would jump just because he, he drives a fucking Tesla. So basically it was the same thing for a BMW for a BMW. It was just the status. I'm a poor kid from the east side of San Jose, you know, never in a million years I could ever imagine even owning one of those cars just wasn't a thing for me but i had a friend her name is tina tina was a very very good friend of mine and um both of her brothers and her dad had bmws and um i would go to her house just to hang out with her and then i will ask the dad hey can i can i wash your car so i will wash the car and then after it he'll take me driving around cruising that's how much I wanted, and I loved that car, and I loved the BMW. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to go to South State, graduate, and I'll graduate, I'll buy my car. But anyways, 
going to fast forward a little bit. Um, her father uh, passed away. He passed away, and and it was it was it was fucked up. It sucked. But the mother, her mother goes, look, Alfonso, I know that Eddie would want you to have this car. And I think you should have it. He said, but I can't give it to you for free. So if you could come up with like a down payment for another car, because the car was already paid for. She's like, just give me like three to five thousand dollars and the car is yours. I'm like, oh, okay, fuck. Let me go talk to my dad. So I run back home. My dad just got home from work and I tell him and I go, Hey dad, you know, can you let me borrow the money? So I go go buy this car. He was like, no. And I go, all right. I'll go to work, pay you back. Just, I came up with like 20 different fucking scenarios. How about you buy the car? You keep the car. And after I pay you the money, you give me the car. No, 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 no. Every scenario that I came up with, he shot me down. He shot me down with every, um, any, any scenario that I came up with. And I'm like, wow. You mean to tell me I I stayed out of trouble, pretty much stayed out of trouble. I'm going to graduate high school. I'm accepted to San Jose State. I'm a good kid. I ain't get anybody pregnant. And I think I mentioned that to my, to one of my sons. He's like, what the fuck? Didn't get anybody pregnant. No, trust me in the eighties. Everybody got pregnant. You got girls, you guys, you got girls pregnant at fucking 15. That's why some of your grandparents now are like fucking 45 and they're fucking grandparents and shit. So there. Um, so back in those days, yeah, you get a girl pregnant like sophomore year and shit. It wasn't a big deal. But anyways, I'm the king of pulling up to this day. So I threw every example on my dad. I go, dad, come on, man. You're not, you're not being fair. Like what the fuck do I have to do? You know, I did everything you asked me to. I, I play sports. I excel at excel at sports. I, I, I had good grades, you know, fucking honors pretty much the whole time. And to be a, not just graduating high school, but to go to San Jose State, the big deal, it was a huge fucking deal. Damn, I'm getting old fucking, <laughs> I'm getting fucking pissed off again. But so, no. So I went back to, my friends, I was crying. I was, I was crying. And, and they say, no. So she almost gave me the car just because she saw me crying, but I just, I didn't take it. I'm like, no, no, it's, you can't do that. You know, just so whatever. So she traded the car in and, and I was my last opportunity to have a car, a BMW. And I hated my dad. I, 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 I despise my father. And you know what? I never, ever had that emotion towards him. Yeah. When I was a kid, he, you know, smacked me around. I deserved it, but I just never, ever, ever felt like that towards him. I never, it was a weird emotion that I had to for him because it just wasn't in my eyes back then as an 18 year old kid, it just wasn't fair. Like I, I, I did what you told me to do, man. And, and you're not going to reward me. Like, then what the fuck, what am I doing here? Right. So I talked to him for like a week or two. I was just like, eh, eh, whatever. I was just small talk and I'll leave the room when he was there or whatever. Nothing, nothing, um, 
uh, nothing special. And after a week or two, I thought that that feeling of anger was going to go away. But it didn't. It kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was to the point that I was actually sizing them up. I'm like, I could fuck them up. <laughs> you know, I legit thought I'd just punch him in the head when he came from work one day. I go, what's the worst that can happen? I could go live in my friend's house, graduate from there. I don't need nothing from there. I'll just get a job or whatever. I literally thought about just punching my dad in the head. Because <laughs> of the anger, it just kept on growing and growing and growing. And I was just like, he would talk and I'm like, fuck you. Like, you know, it's just, I was angry at him. And I just didn't know how to handle that emotion because I never felt it before. You like, it's really deep to hate a parent, especially when you had a great relationship with your life. Everybody loved my dad. My friends would come over and they'd be like, oh, dude, your dad's so cool. I go, yeah, my dad is cool. And, and, but I fucking hated him. You know, I fucking despised him. Um, so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck him. Fuck everybody. I'm going to join the army. It wasn't army. It was the Marines at first. So I went up to my room and I got all the carts and over there in San Jose, um, I forgot the name of the street, but over there in San Jose, there was this place where they had like all the recruiting, all the recruiting stations, they're all four or more together. So I skipped the Navy. I'm like, fuck the Navy. I'm not going to be in the Navy. Like, fuck the Air Force. I'm not going to fly any airplanes. So I go to the Marines. I figure I wrestled. I'm in shape. So I go out and talk to the Marine recruiter. Marine recruiter. Yeah, well, you know, we'll let you in or whatever. But it's like, you're not, we're not going to tell you what you're going to do. Before two weeks before you graduate, boot camp will tell you what your job is. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. So I went to the recruiter. To the army, I'm sorry, I went to the army recruiter. And I walked in and everybody was chill. There was this like Latin looking guy there. Started talking to him. He's Puerto Rican. Cool dude. He was Ranger too. He was a like a he, I remember I saw that Ranger tab. I was like, oh shit. You know, this guy's a fucking ranger. So he's like, hey, what's up, man? So we started talking to him. He's like, all right, cool, cool. So um, first thing he did, I took a test there at the at the recruiting station. It was just a small little computer test. I guess they just wanted to see if you're fucking smart or anything or not. Or if you kind of, it wasn't the real map. It wasn't the real ass bab. It was just like a small little test. So I passed it. He's like, okay, well, you know, let's talk about what you want to do. And so and we're just talking and he's like, well, you score pretty high. So the window's open to pretty much whatever you want to do in the military. And I'm like, all right, cool. So we're talking more. He gave me his number and, and I told him I was interested. I still haven't made up my mind yet or, or whatever. <clears throat> I told him I was going to call him back. And um, so, okay, cool. So I left it like that. And I, I was talking to my friends. My friends like, dude, don't join the army. What's wrong with you? Like, whatever. And then one of my friends had a, a brother in the army and he had me talk to him. And he's like, bro, don't, don't do it, bro. Don't, don't join the army. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's like, don't, don't join the army, bro. I was like, don't, I want to get, I want to get out. I can't wait to get the fuck out. Don't, don't join. So my friend, see, if my own brother's telling you not to join the army, don't fucking do it. I'm like, all right, all right. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. So I go back home. Again, my dad's there talking to me and 
I'm not even listening to him or whatever. And the next morning, I, I, I rolled over, and the first thing I saw was a number on my, on my uh, uh, nightstand. So I got to call him up. I say, hey, I want to join the Army. He's like, all right, good. You know, come back to the office. So I went back to the office, and we're talking some more. We're talking about different jobs. I told him I want to join. So he took me to another place in San Jose. It was like in the military. It's like a National Guard, Marine National Guard or Marine Reserve. It's over by the flea market off 101. And I uh, I went in there and I took the ASVAB. And I killed it. I, 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 I killed it. The only thing I didn't score very high, I didn't score very high in the mechanical part. Like if a gear goes this way, what way is this gear going to go? I know it sounds oversimplified, but it wasn't that easy. So I was like, oh, shit. As far as the math, English, uh, things like that, reading comprehension, all that shit, I, I aced that. I, I killed it. So he goes, well, you could pretty much do whatever you want in the military except for military intelligence. Because military, to, to get into military, military intelligence was like pretty much the highest. And I was right below that. So I'm like, cool, fuck it. So we went back to the office and he was giving me different jobs like um, combat photographer. I was like, oh, that's interesting, combat photography. I just didn't like the whole combat part about it. So screw it. I didn't want to do that. So he gave me about 15, 20 different other jobs. And then one of the final jobs was uh, 91 Alpha, which is a combat medic. I'm like, medic? It's like, yeah, well, you know, medics, some of them work in hospitals, some of them work in clinics, some of them work in field environments. I like that sounds really interesting. I go there, I score high enough. He's like, Yeah, you scored high enough to get into that. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. That sounds interesting. So he he talked to me again. And and you know, one thing about my recruiter, I, you know, I, I always hear horror stories about recruiters. One thing about my recruiter, he was fucking legit. He he did not lie to me. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't tell me anything that I would wanted to hear. He told me boot camp was going to suck. He told me pretty much everything, how everything was going to be processed, the whole processing thing. And he was very honest with me. He was very upfront. And he told me, look, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. And he was very, very, very cool about it. And I think that was another reason why I joined because his honesty, if I would have got another guy who's like a car salesman, who's like, yeah, man, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, whatever. I don't think I would have joined, but I read him really good. And he was fucking honest. He's like, look, man, I don't have to lie to you. He's Puerto Rican, you know. I don't have to lie to you, man. You know, it's like, it's like, it's the what is what it is, man. It's the military, you know. You got It's not going to be easy, bro. You know, but when you, when you graduate, you're going to feel great about yourself. Uh, I lied to me about that. But, but you know, he, he was up front. He was cool. And he just told me, like, you know what, man? If you, if you go, just don't quit. Don't quit, man. You know, just don't quit. And that that kind of really stuck in the back of my head, like the not quitting part. And I never and I never quit before. But when, when it came from him, it was weird because I'm like, fuck, what am I getting into? <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, your signing day is gonna be on it's actually the day after I graduated high school. So I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Graduated high school. And I remember when I graduated high school, when I was walking off stage. The first person I saw, and this is no joke. I'm not making it for like, I'm not trying to make the story more interesting. The first person 
that I saw walking off the stage was my fucking recruiter. <laughs> that fucker was there. He showed up. He was wearing his dress blues. So he stood out right away. I'm like, damn. He grabbed my hand. He shook my hand. And he says, your ass is mine now. He was laughing. He was joking. Ha, 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 ha. But I felt it. And then after that, he disappeared. I looked around like, the fuck? Where'd he go? I mean, I literally just turned around for a quick second and I let go of his hand. I turned back around. He was gone. I'm like, am I tripping? Is it a ghost? Like, did this motherfucker really come say your ass is mine now? (laughs) What the fuck? So, yeah. You know, he came to my uh, he came to my graduation Um, because the next day we had to go to a play called the MEPS. Um, The MEPS is like, I don't know what it stands for. Maybe I should have fucking looked it up. I didn't put it in my notes, but the MEPS was in Oakland. And that's where everybody who's going to join the military in the Bay Area went to every service, every branch is there. Marines, you walked in there, you see guys, everybody that worked, it was different, was different. A, a branch. They were all there. <clears throat> and that's where you went to go do your physical, where they do your blood work. They do all your paperwork. Make sure you have a green card. You're legal. You don't have any, any, any records. They, they, any, any criminal record. Cause even back then in 89, they, they still, it wasn't that easy. You know, you didn't go like, Oh, you go to jail, you go to the military. They stopped doing that shit in the early eighties. Cause they got a bunch of criminals. But when I went in, you had a felony, you couldn't go in. <clears throat> and that's when they do the infamous, <laughs> when they do the physical, they, they, they have you bend over and spray your butt cheeks. <laughs> and to this day, I don't know why they do that. I don't know what they're looking for. I mean, are, are, are they looking to see if you're gay? Am I like, oh my God, this guy has a gaping asshole. He's gay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they were looking for, to be honest. <coughs> Excuse me. So to this day, it's a fucking mystery to me. It's like bend over, spray your butt cheeks, not even cough, just spray your butt cheeks. And I thought they're going to stick a finger in you or something. But like, it's all, okay, put your pants back up. I'm like, what the fuck was that about? Now, if you're an old queen, they'll probably like, that'll be the perfect job because you're looking at Young man's assholes all day. Anyways. Yeah, but I, we were, I was there all day. I was there from like six till like four. Till four and, um, and I remember I was sitting down in the cafeteria and this is the song I was playing. Same as me, you gotta want. 
fucking Bobby Brown. I was eating a piece of chicken in the cafeteria, and this is on song was playing. And every single time I hear the song on the radio or somewhere, I just stop. I stop what I'm doing, and I'm like, damn. This song came out when I was signing my life away. I was signing four years, 91 Alpha, Combat Medic. Like, damn, man. Like, where? I, how did I go from somebody going to Sons of State to going to the Army? So after I finished eating breakfast, we had to, I'm sorry, after I finished eating lunch, I was just waiting. It's just a whole, we had to wait for all our paperwork to be through and everything. And okay, see you later, Bobby. Uh, and and like they walked me into a room. There was this uh, lady sergeant there, and she had a stack of paperwork. And it's like buying a car or buying a house. Sign here, initial there, sign there, initial here. All those like twenty things I had to sign. And they put me into the late entry program. The late entry program is where you get like a few months to a few months to kind of train and get ready. Cause I graduated like in June and I didn't join the army till September 18th uh, of 1989. That's when I actually went out and um, I fucked off all summer. I gained weight. I was like 170 when I graduated high school. And then when I, and when I actually shipped out, I was 203 <laughs> And the max amount of weight was 205. So my recruiter was like, bro, what are you doing? Like, what the fuck? Like, anyways. So the day came, September 18, 1989. And I, um, the recruiter was there at three in the morning because I had to be back in Oakland at six o'clock in the morning. And I was, um, yeah, three o'clock in the morning. So I had my bags packed. Well, my little bag. I only had one bag. We couldn't carry a lot of shit anyways. And my mom was there. My sister was there. Everybody, everybody, everybody there was crying. And um, I'm hugging everybody. And my dad wasn't there. I'm like, yo, where the fuck's my dad at? Like, where, where you know, where's my dad? My mom goes, oh, he's upstairs in the bathroom. Okay, well, I got to go. You tell him I'm leaving? Can you tell him, hey, you know, like, where the fuck are you, bro? And she's, then she comes and says, I don't know, he's in the bathroom. I'm like, God damn it. So I go upstairs and I go knock on the door. I go, Dad, I got to go. He's like, okay. I go, Dad, I'm leaving, bro. I'm leaving. I got to go. He's like, okay, be careful. And I'm like, damn, dude, this motherfucker's not going to come out. I was like, Jesus Christ, man. So I was so mad that I, I fucking kicked the door. I just kicked the door and I left. I went downstairs and, you know, I just took off from my recruiter and went back to the Oakland maps. You pick up your little brown paper. It's like a little uh, brown folder with all your, basically all your information's in there. And I flew to Kentucky. My boot camp was in Fort Knox. <clears throat> Fort Knox is the armor school, armor school. That's where all the tankers get trained, but they also have different companies that train other people. Mostly um, non-combat people. So all the people in my platoons 
my platoons, half of them were medics and you have other people that were cooks and, and things like that. So we were a non-combat arm uh, platoon. I'll talk about that later. So I flew out to Kentucky for Knox and I never flown before. I was 18 years old. And I never flown before. I mean, my whole universe existed, existed there in San Jose, especially there in the East side. I never really left anywhere else. I just, that was my whole universe back then. And flying, forget about it. We, I never flown anywhere before. And, um, yeah, so flew to Kentucky, landed in St. Louis. We all met up the, um, USO, I think it's called the USO. Each airport has like a place for military people to go and ask for information. Somebody was waiting for us there, took us on a bus. We got, we got there. And we have to get processed. The processing is different. Well, again, look, guys. So when I say something, this is my experience. I I joined the army in 1989. So again, it's it's probably different now, or your experience must have been different. So I can't I can't really sit here and compare experiences with me with you or or any. I'm talking about my experience. So I don't know. Should have said that at the beginning, but. <clears throat> So my experience was we got there late at night. The they they separated all of us and we had to say we had any contraband, tobaccos, anything like that, alcohol, whatever, knives or whatever. There was like a box there where you get to turn it all in because after that there was no chance if you get busted with any kind of contraband, you get in trouble. Cigarettes, alcohol, knives, weapons, or whatever. <clears throat> so you get a phone call. You get a phone call and there's like a, a printout in front of the phone and it's, and it's like, hi, hello, private, you know, so-and-so, you know, insert last name has arrived. Please do not try to contact me. There's an emergency. Contact the Red Cross. I can't even believe I still believe that shit. Call, you know, don't try to contact me. There's any emergencies. Contact the Red Cross with my name and social security number. and The Red Cross will get a hold of me. So I said that really quick because my mom answered. My mom doesn't fucking speak English. I was just, I just said it really quick. So I saw that the, the drill sergeant just turned around and I go, mom, what happened to dad? How come he didn't fucking say bye to me? And she got really quiet. And she goes in Spanish. Porque estaba llorando. When she told me that, when she said, my dad didn't answer the door because he was crying. And at that second, two drill sergeants got in my ear. One on each side is like, get the fuck off the phone. Get off the phone. Like, like, hang up, motherfucker. <laughs> it's funny now, but the gut punch that I got wasn't because the drill sergeants were yelling at me. Because I had never seen my dad cry, ever, ever. Even when his mother, even when my grandmother passed, he didn't even cry. I never seen him cry. And when she told me that, porque estaba llorando, it crushed me. It it destroyed me. It 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 killed me. Any of the words I can think of, because I know I heard him. And all this time, I wanted to hurt him. Like, I mean, I even physically wanted to hurt him. 
but I know I hurt him. I know I made him cry. And when I think about it, I hate, I hate myself so much because he was just looking out for me. He didn't want me to make a bad investment. Who the fuck is that 18 year old going to buy a B&W? How are you going to pay for gas? How are you going to pay for insurance? How are you going to, especially maintenance on a BMW? So he wasn't trying to fuck me over. He was looking out for me. And I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I was just a fucking spoiled little kid who felt he, he, he deserved something. But I didn't deserve shit. But he wasn't going to sit there and explain it to me. He wanted me to figure that out on my own. And now that I'm a father and dealing with kids with cards, I totally understand where he's coming from. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? I heard my father. I made him cry. And to this day, that's one of the worst feelings I think I've ever, ever felt. Besides any kind of bodily pain or whatever, but that's the worst, the worst pain I think I've ever suffered. And to experience my first day of boot camp with that one gut punch, you know? And if you, you know... I'm not going to make this a fucking love me daddy fucking episode. <laughs> My dad's still alive and I rarely talk to him. But that was to me the, you know, when you cut the umbilical cord, I think you cut the umbilical cord twice when you're born and you're out of your mom's fucking stomach. And then when you turn 18 and you're independent on your own, that was it. My umbilical cord was cut. This is what you wanted, motherfucker. Now, you're going to live through it. You're going to go fucking, you, 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 you better not fucking quit, faggot. You better not fucking quit. Okay, look, if I say faggot, I'm not calling people homosexuals. I'm just calling, you, you know, if you're weak, you're a fag. I still talk like that. I'm all shut up. But the feeling that I had from that day on is I was so depressed, like, Jesus, man, I made my crowther. I made my father cry, dude. And, you know, it, we're all men. We all got differences. We all got different relationships with our dads, you know. But, yeah, that was my fucking first day of boot camp. <laughs> you made your daddy cry. Fucking great. Okay. So, the first week of boot camp was not real boot camp. It was more like an indoctrination. They were kind of showing you how to march. They were getting your equipment, you're getting your uniforms, but there was cadre, not drill sergeants. Cadre are like sergeants that are not drill sergeants. Some of those guys are going to go to drill sergeant school, so they're practicing. <clears throat> so they don't wear the Smokey the Bear hat. You know, they don't wear that drill sergeant hat. They just wear regular covers, regular uh, hats, army hats. Damn. Uh, so. They were just, they weren't really yelling at us. I'm like, man, this ain't shit. This is supposed to be hard. Like, this is supposed to be hard. This ain't shit. Like, what the fuck? You know, we could eat whatever you want in the cafeteria, you drink soda, like, whatever. It wasn't a big deal. So, the 
the day for the haircut came. And it was weird because like you watch movies like Full Metal Jacket and you watch all these other military movies and you see they get a haircut. We had to pay for a haircut. And luckily I had money. I had like I had like 20 bucks in my back pocket that I found. And 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 a lot of guys didn't have money. And it was like four dollars. Like, you know what? I'll pay for me and four other guys' haircuts with this 20, whoever doesn't have money. So and I was like, holy shit, dude. I thought the first haircut was free. And it wasn't no haircut. It was just they're going to shave your head. It wasn't no style or nothing. They just fucking sit you. They start in the middle. They shave your head. You're like, what the fuck? Like, that was very eye-waking. Like, you know, like eye-opening. You know, like, holy shit. That's like, they're not even going to. You got to pay for your haircut. What the hell? That was weird. So they give us all our shots, our glasses, x-rays. They do everything. They check you all over. And and I heard, okay, well, tomorrow you guys are going to go to to your real unit. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean, real unit? Like, what, I thought this is it. They're like, no, 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 no. Tomorrow you guys are going to meet your drill sergeants. <laughs> and boy, let me tell you one thing, man. If that is not something that's going to really fuck you up when you meet these when you meet these fucking animals for the first time. It, it 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 shook me. It 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 really, you know, it really shook me, because these guys didn't play, you know. And I never, I never feared any man. I don't fear no fucking man. But these guys have a way of finding fear, putting fear in you. So we we marched like fuck, almost two miles, carrying all our all our equipment, duffel bags rucksack all our equipment we're all, and it was hot too and then we go up a hill and when you're going up a hill you see you start seeing these figures and they're standing there and you see those fucking hats man you see those fucking smoky the hat smoky the bear hats you know those those campaign hats or whatever you want to call them drill sergeant hats and you're like fuck you know holy shit there it is and then they start they start pointing people out and you know what man as fucked up as it sounds, they start singling people out because of how they look. If you look funny, and this is funny to me now, <laughs> but if you look funny, oh, yeah, you're fucked. <laughs> if you're too tall, if you're too short, if you're fat, if you're too skinny, if you're too black, if you're too white, any, any, if you if you have a fucking snaggle tooth, if you have some thick ass glasses, you name it, they will point it out and they will fuck with you that day. And 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 you see them, you see them picking guys, like oh no no no, I want this motherfucker in my platoon. Oh no, give me that one over there. They're fighting over each other to pick, you know, recruits to pick the guys. And we're just standing there, just shell shock. We're just standing there, like, what the fuck is this? Because they're not like, like, they're not. How can I say it? They're not walking you. They're grabbing you by your fucking chest. You know, they're grabbing your blouse or your your top, and they're just dragging you. Get your fucking ass over here. You're with me, motherfucker. Like, holy shit, man. You know. And I'm like, please don't stand out. Please don't stand out. And remember somebody gained 200, somebody weighed 203 pounds? Well, guess what? Get your fat fucking ass. 
Get your big fat beater eating motherfucking ass over here. I was like, holy fuck. And they threw a they threw a reflector vest on me. And I'll tell you why that is later. Yeah, so here, don't lose this. You're gonna be wearing this all the time, motherfucker. So after an hour of this fucking ambush, they they finally separated us into platoons. And it was one company and it's four platoons. And and that's how the way that's the way our company was separated. So once everybody got separated and they they gave us our I'm I'm fast forwarding, I'm not really going too much into details, but they separated everybody, everybody got a battle buddy. My battle buddy was Rivera, he was from Chicago, Mexican kid, good dude. And and you know, we share bucks. And once we did that, we went to orientation and our, our company commander was there, he was telling us what to do. Like, hey, if you have any like concerns or whatever, you feel drill sergeants being too hard on you or whatever. I have a fucking open door policy. You can talk to me or whatever. As soon as the company commander left, you're so just like, look, fuck an open door company. If I fucking see you talking to that officer, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> you don't go talk to no fucking officers. I was like, oh, well, there goes that then. Um, it was just a crazy, surreal fucking experience, man. It was just, it was wild. It was fucking wild. They, they, they told us what we had to clean, how to clean how to scrub, how to clean floors, how to clean toilets, how to wash windows, how to make a bed. If you made a bed and you, threw, you rolled a quarter and you did it bounce three times, you will rip it all apart and make you do it all over again. How to wax the floor, how to wax your, you know, how to shine your boots, your uniforms. I mean, it was just a mountain of information thrown at you the first, first second days. You're like, when are we going to start soldiering yet? It's like, motherfuckers, you're not even, you're not even, you guys aren't even soldiers yet. You know, you guys got to learn how to fucking wash a latrine or a bathroom properly. And I was like, what the fuck would I get into? And I remember the first two nights I was there, I was crying because, not because I was, I was crying because I was frustrated. Like, I kept on asking myself, what did I do? What? Oh fuck did I do? Why did I join the army? I could have been getting ready to go. I could have been getting ready to go to school, so I was a state. And I was like, my God, what did I do? I think about all my friends out there cruising and with the girls and everything. And I'm like, Jesus, man, you know what what did I do? And I was still thinking about my dad in the back in the back of my head. But it was it was really hard. Um it was um the boot camp is not fun. It's not fun. I mean, again, in 89 it wasn't. It was pretty fucking brutal. We got hit. I got kicked in the chest. I got smacked in the head. Um, I got backhanded. Never punch or slapped, but a good fucking backhand. That shit hurts. Punched in the chest, kicked. Yeah, all that. Everybody did. And it was illegal back then, but you better not fucking say anything. And I just saw it as part of being a soldier. Part of like, hey, if I ever go to combat, you know, if I ever get captured, they're going to do more than this to me. So get used to it. So that was the mentality that I had back then. And it was brutal. It was hard. It was, it wasn't, it wasn't fun whatsoever. 
uh, no sleep. And um, a lot of people went to church, but if you didn't go to church on Sunday, you know, you would clean. So, yeah, everybody went to church because, you know, nobody wanted to clean on Sundays. So it was just nonstop, nonstop for like nine, ten weeks. Just one of those things that once you realize you're in it and you're in there and you're not going to get out, my soul just go through with it. And we had a couple of suicide attempts. Uh, one guy tried hanging himself. Another tried cut, another guy tried cutting his veins. It was traumatic. It was traumatic for a lot of other kids too, a lot of other soldiers, because they would see that and they're like, oh my God, you know. And I would try to talk to them, look, bro, don't don't worry about it. Like, they're fine. You're okay. Just don't. Because quitting was not an option. First of all, we're in fucking Kentucky. There's nothing around Fort Knox, Kentucky. There's a small little town in Kentucky called Paducah. Paducah, Kentucky. So if you were to get out of, of base, where the fuck are you going to go? You got nowhere to go. And they did capture people. And when they captured them, guess what? They put them back in there. There's no quitting. Because the army already invested money in you and stuff, and they're not going to let you go. <clears throat> so here's a little bit of advice for you. People want to join the army. Do not quit during boot camp. Do not quit during your training. Quit when you get to your first duty station. Once you get to your first duty station, you could say something, oh, you cannot, um, you cannot, um, oh, what's the word? It's a special word that they use. Like you cannot settle yourself down. You're not mentally like capable or like settling down there or whatever. Now you might get a fucking dishonorable discharge, but you'll get out of the army. But don't try to get in out a basic or boot camp because it's almost expired. It's fucking very hard to get out. Because again, we got guys who try to try commit suicide and guess what? They put their asses back in. They, as a matter of fact, they pushed them back a class behind us because when we were graduating, we saw the guys that tried to kill themselves. They were in the class behind us. So guess what? They had to do that shit over again. So some of the shit in the military that kind of stood out while well, in boot camp was the whole marching, uh, uh, the whole uh, marching was very interesting because we had a drill sergeant. He was from Guam and he had the most horrible accent. We couldn't understand what the fuck he was saying. And he was yelling at us when we make a mistake. I was like, yo, we don't fucking understand you, bro. We don't know if you're saying left or right, but he get mad at us. But then we find out that we got another um, drill sergeant who's black, and he's the one that did all the cadence afterward. And man, I'll tell you what, when you have a drill sergeant that knows how to run cadence, and this is for you people in the military also, if you have a drill sergeant who knows how to run, run cadence properly, it makes a whole difference. And it makes you proud. Everybody's marching in step. And and the way, it's almost like, it's almost like, you know, country, you call that, that, uh, not line dancing, but uh, like get your partner around and go. And like, I forgot what they call it. But anyways, it's like that because with his commands, he's telling what, how to be, how to go, which way to go, left, right, you know, reverse, you know, stagger lines on each squad. He, I mean, he had those, he, I was like, God damn. Because he, he, he had it perfectly. We understand that we, we understood him and he was loud. And everywhere we went, uh, we ran. Either we marched or we we ran everywhere. And I tell you what. It makes a difference when you have somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing. And you'll run your ass off. Black top, black top. Black top.
Black top. Black hat. Black hat. but the memories you know i get i get those fucking crazy memories because i found out later on after, actually after i got out of the military that the reason why they run cadence like that is because it, it makes you breathe when when you run and you're singing like that it makes you breathe because some people run and they don't breathe so when when you're running and they sing in cadence and it keeps everybody in step and it makes everybody breathe so that's what they sing and if you have a drill sergeant who's great at 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 singing cadence, you'll run four or five miles. You're like, huh? We're done. That was it. Because of that. Because it kind of gets your mind off, like, oh fuck. You know, it's a long ass run. So much, much, much appreciation to drill sergeants that, that did it. And 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 you know, I ain't gonna lie, the brothers were the best ones, man. <laughs> those bright, those black drill sergeants from the south, those motherfuckers from Louisiana and Alabama and Georgia. They had the greatest fucking cadence. They had the loudest voice because you hear them. Because remember, they had to be heard from the front and the back. And going back to the little reflective vest that your boy was talking about. Since I was considered a quote-unquote fat boy, we had to run kind of like crossing guard. Okay? So you got two of them, two or three in the front, and two or three in the back of the formation. So when there's a street coming up, the ones in the front stay in the middle of the street in their section. They're blocking people. And the guys in the back have to run all the way to the front. Right? And then once the formation passes the street, the guys that were in the front stay in the back. And so forth. So when the next street comes up, the guys in the front will stay there and block the intersection. While the guys in the back have to run all the way to the front. So that's how they made the fat boys work extra harder because you're running and you got to catch up to the whole formation. My ass was running <laughs> and I ran a lot. I lost 30 pounds in three months when I was in boot camp. And I lost it through diet and through exercise. And I lost so much weight that me and three other guys had to, me and three other guys lost so much weight that we had to go get new uniforms refitted to us because all the uniforms were just falling falling off of us. We just looked like scarecrows. And our drill sergeant, you know, I mean, kudos to him, but God damn, it was brutal because I didn't get to enjoy any good food or whatever. The ladies in the cafeteria, they're not dietitians. They got to serve everybody the same. But once you get served, 
your drill sergeant will look at your plate. I'll say, you'll be like, okay, you don't eat this. You don't eat that. He'll take your bread. He'll take half your ham. He'll take, you know, any, any kind of sweet you have. You have to go get water, no orange juice, no nothing. There you go. And then he'll give your food to the guys who are skinny. Cause actually guys, they were, they were underweight. So my food will go to one of their, those guys and they had to gain weight and I had to lose weight. So that's the way the army did it. They, they made my ass lose weight. And the army, going back to me being from California and not really, not really getting out there, not really traveling outside of my area. When you join the army, you 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 see people from from all over the world. I mean, from all over the country. Um, people that are rich, people that are poor, and. It was weird for me to see white, poor white folk, because I never seen that before. I never seen kids that were white, they were poor. And what I mean by poor is like, they would tell me, it's like, hey man, it's like, I never had three meals in my life a day. I was like, huh? Like, they never had three meals ever, ever. You know, or some people would get all their check and they would send it home. And I go, why are you sending all your check home? Because like, well, the army's feeding me, taking care of me. I don't, I don't need to spend anything. So they would send all their money back home. I was like, oh, wow. And that was weird. That was a weird dynamic too. And um, I also saw some racism. And the way it was, the way it was, is I, it almost looked like you're in jail. You know, the blacks with the blacks, the Hispanics with the Hispanics. Whites with the whites. And it was just kind of weird. Everybody just clicked up differently. It was obviously not going to compare it to, to prison violently, being violent or anything, but it was just a thing that it was definitely, definitely there. You know, you could definitely see it. And, um, but it didn't matter, man, because once the drill sergeant came, we're all equally fucked. You know, our drills are just, our drills are just fucked with everybody. And it was funny when you, when you weren't getting shit, you know, when somebody else was making being fun off, it was funny. I ain't gonna lie, but he he went around. Everybody got it. I got it. You know, I got it hard twice. I got fucked with, you know. Um, but it was I think ow, kitty. One of the things that really I, I, I told I told them, I was talking to my kids, some of my kids asked me for an army story. I told them one time my drill sergeant marched us like two miles, two, three miles away from our from our from our um our barracks and there was like a wall and he told us all of us to like sit down like Indian style and stare at the wall. No talking, no, no nothing. And and he sat us there for like four or five hours, sometimes two hours, sometimes three hours. It, it depended. He did it like eight times. I never understood why he did it. Um, I understood it though when I actually went to combat. When you actually had to stay in guard duty and look out the horizon for hours at the time without being distracted. And I think the fact that he did that kind of got me ready for that. Because in combat, you know, when you're on guard duty, man, you you, you better be paying attention. Like you you better be fucking looking at the horizon, not fucking reading a book or jagging off or and and that was the weirdest thing that I I I've 
experience the boot camp. But all the other shit, like, fucking, we had an obstacle course. We had a confidence course, a course. And I hate heights. I, I hate heights. But that 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 confidence course was brutal, man. Because I was like, you know, you don't think 40 feet in the air is a lot. Oh, trust me, it's a lot. <laughs> um, and and all the the infamous gas chamber. Gas chamber was brutal, man. Because I remember that day for lunch, they gave us chili mac. And and that was the day to say, hey, uh, fat boys, you guys can eat. And they say, you guys can eat seconds. We're like, what? You mean I can have seconds? They're like, yeah, you can eat as much as you want. I'm like, cool. And then after we finished eating lunch, they're like, all right, we're going to gas chamber today. I was like, these motherfuckers. And they did it on purpose because they want us to throw up a lot. <clears throat> so the way it was in Kentucky, in, in Fort Knox, in the gas chamber, when you walk into gas chamber, there's two sets of um, squares. There's yellow squares and there's red squares. So they, the first initial groups is two groups. The first group of people were, they were standing on the red square and the guys behind them were standing in the yellow squares. There's a couple of drill sergeants in there. They're all masked up or whatever. And there's CS gas. It's like riot control gas. That's what they throw at riot controls at fucking gas. Horrible. So they tell the people in the front, take your mask off. So they take your mask off. And then they're asking a question one by one. What's your mother's name? What's your birthday? What's it? Because they want you to breathe. So they're breathing and they start coughing. They start throwing up and they can't leave the room. They can't leave the room until the fucking door opens. And the guys in the yellow squares are watching everything. They're watching these guys throw up and fucking cough up and mocos everywhere and everything. And it was so psychological. We're like, fuck, we're next. <laughs> we're next. So I was like, in the 15th or 16th row that went in there. So you could just imagine the mountain of vomit and snot and spit everywhere. So when I walked in, you know, you see the guys in front of me go from the, from the yellow to the red squares. And I was standing behind it. And I look in front of them. I look on the floor. I was like, Jesus Christ. It was like buckets of throw up. I was like, Oh my God. And then you see them take out their mask and you're like, you know, and then you're like, and I'm counting to myself how long it takes for them to actually start coughing or whatever. And then they start throwing up or whatever. I was like, holy fuck, I'm next. So they, you know, they pull you, you know, they wave you forward. And they're like, come on down now, you're next. And, you know, I took a breath and then took my mask off. And they're like, what's your name? You know, Private Akuda. Where are you from? California. And they start like grabbing my, grabbing my, um, tickling my, uh, my ribs. He's like, you better breathe, motherfucker. Breathe it in and we're going to stay here longer. And I hear the guys next to me, to my left, to my right of me, they're all fucking throwing up already. I was like, fuck it. So I, could, I took a deep breath and right away, there he goes, that's it. I just felt everything like my 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 throat, my nose, everything. Start throwing up. I see that door open. Everybody just runs out that door. So you run out that door. It just There's a tree right in front of it. So you have to make sure you don't run into the fucking tree, which a couple of guys did. You don't understand. It's that bad. You just want to fucking get the fuck out of there. So you walk around in a circle. They have your arms waving out like you're a fucking dumbass. And that was really interesting. I don't think I had a boot camp. I think that was the most traumatic part besides the mental and the putasos that you got and everything. But the, the, the fucking, 
that that gas chamber was pretty pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. But there was a couple of road marches that we did. Uh, once you get to the final two weeks, actually the final three weeks, once you, actually once they started doing the BRM, which is your basic rifle rifle rifleman marksmanship, that's when you get M16. That's when the drill sergeants turn more into teachers than drill sergeants because they really want you to learn. They really want you to learn how to fucking shoot. And they taught us. So one credit I'm going to give the Army, they, they, they taught us how to shoot. And I shot expert. And I remember later on when my son joined the Marines, I told him, look, man, I don't give a fuck what you do in the Marines, but you better, you better hit expert. And I remember when he showed me the little cross that he had, like, wow, my, shot, my son shot expert. And because we don't have a background of weapons, we don't have any guns or any of that bullshit. We ain't grew up with guns. And because we learned their way, people who had guns with their lives, they learned the wrong way. So a lot of those guys wouldn't even qualify right away. Uh, but, you know, I shot expert and I was proud of that. And, uh, but yeah, that's when every time it changed, that's when they became teachers. They wanted to teach you everything, how to survive in the field and things. I mean, they were still dicks. They weren't your buddy. But they were they were easier to fucking live with. So graduation came. It, it felt great. Uh, unfortunately, my parents couldn't come. They 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 couldn't come to uh, to graduation. It's just one of those things like, you know, they weren't going to come from San Jose all the way to Kentucky just to see me for a couple hours because really that's what it was. And it was it was great. I felt really accomplished. Like wow, I did, again, I did something you know that my family has never done. I called my mom and my dad, and I, I me and my dad still weren't really talking. We kept it really short and, and shit, and, and, and that was it. And uh, right after boot camp, it was off to San Antonio. San Antonio is our AIT. That's our medical. That was our medical school, and. Um, Let's just say it was a lot of fun. Pump it up while your feet are stumping And the jam is pumping Look ahead, the crowd is jumping Pump it up a little more Get the party going on the dance floor See, cause that's where the party's at And you find out if you do that San Antonio, November 1989. That's when I got, that's when I went to, that's the year of the month that I went to San Antonio at Fort Sam Houston. And let's just say it was crazy. Why? Well, that's the first time we've been around women since um, being in boot camp. And guess what? We had women in our platoon. So that was their first time seeing guys, you know, through the whole their whole boot camp. 
So you have a bunch of 18, 19, 20 year old sexed up fucking soldiers and you mix them together and oh boy, it was, it was wild. It was fucking wild. That's, that's kind of one way to put it. I was a 91 alpha, 91 alpha again as a combat medic. And let me tell you one thing. It was not easy because we're doing the EMT. So we're doing both the EMT for the state of Texas, which again, is not easy. Texas and California had the, the two toughest uh, EMT courses in the nation. So we're doing EMT plus we're doing our whole ar- army stuff. So we're going through, we wake up in the morning, work out, breakfast, go to school all day, after school, work out again and study. I studied. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Other guys are trying to chase and pussy or whatever. I go, look, bro, this is not easy. And after the first test, I found out that it wasn't easy because a lot of people felt. But it was it was crazy. It was crazy. It was it was it was separated into two um, uh, sections because it was like an eight week, oh, two. It was like two and a half months. No, four, I, you know I forgot. So, anyways, the first part of AIT it was all training. But we couldn't go off post. We had to stay off post because we couldn't wear civilian clothes. So people were hooking up, but it was on the low. But if you got busted hooking up, oh, Article 15, or you get get kicked out of the military. So a lot of people didn't hook up. They were just under the impression they're going to hook up. Or maybe a little quick low jump or hand job real quick. Uh, but people were definitely hooking up. They'll go in the bathroom and like fuck real quick. And... um. But then the second phase of, of AIT over medical training, then we could go off post and wear, and wear civilian clothing and all that bullshit. That's when it got really crazy. Really crazy. Um, so the first part of, of our training, I did my EMT and I passed. And a lot of people were dropping like flies. We had like 60 kids in our, in our platoon and we're dropping them. And what happens is if you pass it, if you fail a test, you'll get in a second chance to pass it. If you fail it a second time, they will drop you to the class behind you. So if you failed out of there too, they'll send you to the infantry or to the tanks or artillery, basically the dumbass MOSs. Um, because being a medic in the army was not easy. And I consider myself pretty smart and it was brutal. It was not easy, you know, and I, I studied it's just like me and a group of like five other guys, which is like, look, we can party after we graduate, man. We got, we, you know, we got to pass the shit. So we have flashcards. We did all kinds of shit and we studied our asses off. And that's the only reason why I passed because we studied. We did uh, technical training, you know, just regular medical stuff, how to, how to treat burns, chemical burns. Thermal burns, how to do IVs, how to give shots, how to treat fractures, how to take people out of a helicopter, out of a tank, out of an ambulance, uh, clinical treatment. We we did everything, pretty much almost what a what a nurse does, except for pushing drugs. We didn't push drugs, and it was it was. It was interesting again because the girls. Once the whole girl thing wore off, okay, now it's really time to concentrate. And yeah, we we concentrated in school. We hung out with some of the girls after after our classes. 
go eat some pizza, go listen to music or whatever, hang out, talk to them. And uh, I came back. I came back to California. And I got engaged to my high school sweetheart. And we were kids. She was 17. I'm like 18. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> we were in love. And um, then I went back. I went back uh, to Fort Sam and did the the harder training because we started doing all the field stuff. So we started going to the field and doing a lot of shit out there on the field, riding helicopters. It was fun. But let's forget all that. The fucking partying that went on. Because after a certain point, I already knew I was going to graduate. Like, I had enough points to graduate. Even if I fucked off the rest of the test, I was still going to graduate. So I said, you know what? We're going to party. It is in San Antonio. San Antonio is a fucking crazy party town. What we would do, a whole bunch of us would get together on a Friday and say, hey, we're going to rent a hotel at this location. And everybody chipped in. So we all chipped in. And we'll get a room. But we had other rooms that were uh, jointed, like they had a, a door next to them. So we, it'll be three big ass rooms connected into one. So the main room was the party room. That's where everybody drank and had fun and all that bullshit. But the other rooms were the hookup rooms. So, you know, you're talking to a girl, whatever, you hook up, whatever. Okay, let's go to the other room. So we'll go hook up over there. You know, you're talking about. I don't want to say an orgy, but everybody got ran around. Basically, pretty much every girl fuck every guy in the platoon. <laughs> it was that crazy. I was like, oh, I haven't, hey, we haven't hooked up yet. All right, cool, let's go. That's the way it was. It was wild. Look, I was only, I was only 18, and these girls are Garen around the same age, you know. And this is the first time I hooked up with white girls. I never did, I never hooked up with white girls before, especially being from San Jose. I was like, oh damn, bitches are nasty. <laughs> but it was wild. It was, it was, it was, it was. I'm all your dumbfounded and shit. It was fucking wild. Um, but again, visiting San Antonio was fun, going to the Alamo, going to the, the mall, the Riverwalk, uh, going to the clubs out there. It was great. Hooked up, with, hooked up with a couple of girls from San Antonio. It was, it was good times, man. I mean, my my aunt was a lot of fun. I just wish I was twenty one because I couldn't go to a lot of the clubs out there. But still, we we had a lot of fun out there, man. Me and my friends had a great time. And um, I wish I could go back. They have the Army Medical Museum. I want to go back there and check it out. I might go back to San Antonio. I love that city. But yeah, that was the IT. I mean, AAT was differently. They, we still had drill sergeants there, but they weren't as mean as the other ones. Again, they were just more instructors. They were just babysitters, to be honest. And then before you graduated, I they give you like a wish list, like where do you want to go? What city you want to go to or whatever? And they give you a wish list. So I put like Presidio San Francisco. I put Monterey because uh, they have Fort Ord. And I think I put Fort Lewis, Washington. I wanted to stay in the West Coast. Well, I think I also put Hawaii. And um, you could also trade. So if there's a guy from the West, East Coast who got the West Coast, you guys could trade. But I didn't get my orders in time. My orders came in really late. I was one of the last ones to get my orders, so I couldn't trade with anybody. But they sent my ass to Fort Lee, Virginia. 
Fort Lee, Virginia, and I'm going to talk about the second part of this episode on, on about Fort Lee. But it was one of those things that it was life changing thing. Being stationed in the East Coast, not just the East Coast, but like the South, it's a whole different experience. I, I never faced racism in my life. And that was the first time I've actually met somebody, met somebody was outright racist towards me. And I was like, I was even mad. I was just shocked. Like, whoa, what the fuck? Um, but I'm going to talk about that on the next episode, episode number two with the army. But again, AIT was AIT was 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 a good time. It was it was very funny. <laughs> I keep on saying that, but yeah, it was fucking really fun. For especially for an 18 year old kid banging like tons of girls out there, it was very good times. So that's it. That's my experience with joining boot being a boot camp. Going to AIT, the stupid reason why I joined the army. And again, guys and girls, there's the army is totally different now. Everything's integrated. I think boot camp is both guys and girls. It's just crazy. It's crazy. I couldn't even imagine having girls in our boot camp. But I guess, hey, you know, it's working out so far, I guess. I, I'm not sure. I don't really know. I really don't know anything about today's army. But 1989 army was pretty gnarly. I use some of the stuff that I use in the army today, not necessarily the discipline, but just some of the shit that I went through. <clears throat> you compare them to civilian world and they're, they're nothing compared to what you did in the military. But I always tell people you want to join the military and I'm going to talk about this more in the next episode. Talk to somebody who's been in the army or Marines or whatever. And, and, and go to a VA, go to a VA hospital and talk to veterans, ask them if it's worth it. Talk to people in the military that are in there in the military now and ask them, should you join the army or not, or the military or not? Because, okay, listen to your recruiter, tell them what they got to say, but you know what? Be smart and talk to people who served or are serving and they'll give you a more honest when people ask me, is it worth it? I go, it depends what you want to do it for. I was a nurse when I got out of the army, but I hated nursing. I hated nursing because military nursing versus civilian nursing is two different things. So I hated, I hated civilian nursing. So that's why I got out the whole industry. Um, but if you're going to join the military, if you want to be a cop, if you want to work, you want to go to the FBI, you want to be a politician in the future, you know, having a little, a little military ticket, you know, kind of helps you out. But again, we'll talk about that in the second episode. But again, I just want to thank you for listening. I'm going to pull this out. I'm going to edit it really quick and put it up tonight. I just want to thank you guys for keeping me motivated, motivated to do this podcast. Again, if you guys have any questions, you can email me at alfonso at buyergirls.com. Email, that's probably your Good way to get a hold of me. Another way to get a hold of me to Twitter. Twitter, you can hit me under Barrio Girls. Um, Instagram, you want to hit my Instagram, go Barrio Girls underscore official. And that's my Instagram. Again, Barrio Girls underscore official. Hit me up there. Questions, complaints, anything you guys want to talk about or, or anything like that. But I'm back to the podcast scene. So um, hope you enjoyed this episode. 
Sorry if I got a little soft talking about my dad. I mean, who doesn't get soft when they talk about their dad? Um, But I will talk to you guys next week.